They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi, friends. Shane Pruitt here. Welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us once again, and I am so excited and honored about our guest today, uh, Richard Ross. Dr. Richard Ross is a Next Gen Ministry legend. So if you've been around Next Gen Ministries at all, you have probably been blessed by his teaching, uh, his books, uh, his example. Um, he has become a friend of mine uh, in recent months, and I've already learned so much from him. So I'm so excited about having Dr. Richard Ross with us today. He is the professor of student ministry at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. He has been a part of Next Gen Ministries for literally decades, has written some incredible books and studies. Uh, he's truly a living legend, and today we're going to talk about what needs to change in Next Gen Ministries. Dr. Richard Ross, welcome to the Next Gen Mission podcast, my friend. Shane, I am so pleased to be a part of this, and you need to know for a lot of us, you coming to your position has been a huge answered prayer. We are thrilled to have you leading the charge on student evangelism. Just thrilled to be with you today. Oh, what an honor. Well, thank you, Dr. Ross. Hey, I'm having a blast. You know, I I, I mentioned this to someone just yesterday, uh, you know, during the time of this recording that I was like, man, I'm having a blast in ministry. I don't know if you're supposed to be having this much fun, but I am. <laughs> Hey, well, Dr. Ross, you've literally been a part of Next Gen Ministries uh, across decades now, and so you'll be able to offer so much insight with this, but I always love to ask this question uh, to our guest. What do we need to know about next genera- about the next generation? What do we need to know about the next generation that's coming up? Well, there's a hundred things we could talk about, but this morning, what's on my mind is uh, this generation right now have the potential to lead the church into a revival and the culture into an awakening. And and when I say that, I'm not talking silly. I, I'm actually saying that with my eyes wide open. Uh, I've been walking side by side with teenagers literally for 50 years, and I think I'm a little bit in touch with what they're going through right now. Obviously, through the pandemic that we're in right now, their world has been turned completely upside down, probably more so than adults. They're extremely distraught about the justice issues that are swirling around right now. And and even before these crises popped up, uh, I would say stress, anxiety, depression, these were daily uh, associates of young people. So when I say they are poised, they are capable of leading the church into revival, I know I'm saying that with a generation that has been beat down in lots of different ways. But, But this is what gives me hope. Actually, it's it's the story of my life. My senior year in high school was 1968. I've heard Christian historians say 1968 was the year America died. Obviously, they're talking symbolically, but it, it was a year of chaos, catastrophe. Uh, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. That set off riots across the United States, much worse than what we're experiencing this year. There was rioting and demonstrations everywhere about the Vietnam War. Uh, The hippies were leaving college and moving into communes. Uh, 
24 hours a day on LSD, free love everywhere. I mean, there was just this seething, massive change going on in the country. And one year later, I'm in college, I became a student pastor in 1969. That was the year of Woodstock, but it was also the year that the Jesus movement started. I was watching, in my first youth ministry position, I was watching a young generation lead a revival and awakening coming out of the catastrophes that I had just mentioned. It was amazing. Thousands and thousands of those hippies were giving their lives to Christ. They were often being baptized in the ocean or in a fountain or something. They were farming Christian uh, coffee houses everywhere. And even inside churches, even the youth groups were just turned on in, in a love for Jesus. And all kinds of ministries were springing up, even on college campuses. And actually, the majority of the Christian leaders in the 21st century were actually people they were either converted in the Jesus movement or they had their hearts flipped around in the mm-hmm. Jesus movement. So you might say it marked an entire generation. Because I have seen that, because I lived through that, I know that teenagers in 2020 are poised and capable of sparking another revival. I believe that with all of my heart. Oh, man, I join you in that. And Lord, do it. Lord, do it. You know, I speaking of this very thing I saw on Twitter um, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember who posted it. It was a Christian leader, and they posted two uh, pictures of uh, Time magazine covers side by side that were like two or three years apart. And the first one said, is God dead? And that was kind of in the middle of a lot of chaos. And then literally uh, two years later, I think, uh, it showed the picture and talking about the Jesus revolution. So the very thing you're talking about, how the revival sprung up in the midst of that of chaos and Lord do it again. And I'm with you on that prayer, Dr. Ross. So like you said, you've been a part of ministries for 50 plus years. What does not need to change in next generation ministries? When we talk about, you know, we talk about so much of what needs to change. We'll talk about that in a moment, but what doesn't need to change? What needs to stay the same decade after decade, generation after generation? Well, one thing that needs to remain the same is a student pastor or someone serving as a, like a student pastor who's proclaiming the Word of God, let's say, on a Wednesday night. I, be, I believe in proclamation. I believe in expository talks and messages for young people. I hope we keep doing that until Jesus comes. I also believe in uh, trying to get as many teenagers as possible in Bible study. In some churches, maybe on Sunday morning. Other churches, maybe before or after student worship on Wednesday night. But I think we ought to keep doing that. I think there ought to be some place that you teach the Bible, and the format for that is everybody is welcome. You can even teach evangelistically to lost students. I just believe in that, and I wouldn't want us to stop doing it. I also would say we've got to keep focusing student pastors on being a pastor uh, to the teenagers. As I just mentioned earlier, the teenagers are dealing with incredibly hard challenges, and they need a shepherd that is walking them through tough stuff in life. I still believe in major events for teenagers and youth leaders. I think there is a time and place that you really accomplish best the goals of student ministry with an age group focused event. I am not ready to walk away from that at all. I would say those things need to stay, need to stay, but like you, I'm really hoping and praying for things that we need to change. 
Yeah, I love that. And I agree with that, you know, and one thing that's kind of remained statistically, and you and I've talked about this, one thing that's remained statistically is how many people surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior before the age of 18. Um, You know, I think the most recent statistics say that uh, out of all people who follow Jesus, uh, almost 80% of them surrender to Jesus before the age of 18. And if that be true, then we must see our next-gen leaders, our student pastors, um, as evangelists and missionaries and disciple makers, that that that's their primary calling. There, I love that. Yeah. What? So that, another way. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, another way, I, I would say the very same thing that you've just said. In fact, I tell audiences this all the time. I'll say when you go to a high school graduation and you're watching those seniors walk off the stage, just count just count ten seniors, and, and of the ten. Uh, you know, if they can graduate lost, eight out of ten of those graduating seniors will spend eternity lost. Oh, I, it's just a major wow. issue whether yeah. we're getting the gospel to the young. Wow. Uh, wow. What a sobering thought, Dr. Ross. So what needs to change? What areas does student ministries, next-gen ministries, have to get better? Well, just to stay with that theme of evangelism, let's just start there. I I would say one thing that has got to change is we've got to get the gospel more outside the four walls of the church. I I actually think student ministries are doing pretty well being evangelistic at student ministry events, at student worship. I, I think we're doing okay at that. Where I think we have lost our zeal is in the gospel conversations outside the church. And we we have got to uh, equip teenagers and parents of teenagers and volunteers with teenagers first to know how to have gospel conversations and then to have hearts warm enough that they're motivated to do that. Very closely related to that is we've got to rebuild strategies for first evangelizing schools, obviously not in an illegal kind of way, but helping the young people on their own campuses, student-led, student-focused evangelism is effective, and we've lost uh, a fervor to see those young people walking into school believing it's their mission field. Second big issue for me is connecting teenagers to the full congregation. Uh, I think this could be one of the more visible and dramatic changes in student ministry right now. Number one, we've got to get teenagers living in a just a web of relationships with other adults, not just the youth workers, but I'm talking about the full congregation. Teenagers can't be the church. They can't relate to the church unless they have relationships across the congregation. So I think student pastors are going to need to take the lead in creating times and places that kids can build those relationships. Very closely related to that is teenagers doing the ministry of the church side-by-side with adults. Mm -hmm. We've got to get them out of the silo for that to take place. What are the adults doing to express the ministry of the church? Whatever that is in a congregation, my question would be, are the teenagers working side-by-side with the adults to express those ministries? Uh, That could be, that, that doesn't take anything away from the fact that other times and places, the teenagers are with the teenagers under the leadership of youth workers. I still believe in that. I just think we've got to balance between those two a little bit better. Third, uh, I would call for really intensive discipleship with, this is the key, core teenagers. 
So much of what we're doing in student ministry, in fact, almost everything we're doing in student ministry is what I would call y'all come. It's open to everybody. And because we open to everybody, every single thing that we do, we have to, in in a sense, dumb down the content of what we do to make it palatable to all teenagers. Well, 90% of the time, that's what we ought to do. But some of the time, we've got to pull apart those kids who really have a heart, a desire to be disciples of Jesus, and we need to give them intense discipleship. I'm talking about core doctrines. I'm talking about apologetics. I'm talking about worldview. I'm talking about uh, biblical interpretation, what you and I would call hermeneutics. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about taking junior high, middle school, high school students and intensely discipling them. What we're not doing, what we're not doing is we're not creating 18-year-olds that are ready to walk onto a college campus and go toe-to-toe with any uh, aggressive professor that's trying to attack their faith. What we're not doing very much of is releasing young adults that could go to Wall Street or Hollywood or Washington, D.C. and change the world because... They have been disciples so thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I just believe there's got to be an hour. There's got to be a time and place every week, every youth group, where the students who want to be disciples of Jesus can literally be discipled to be disciples of Jesus. The fourth issue, I'll, I'll mention this one last. The fourth issue that's huge for me, of course, is the, the parents of teenagers. Uh, this is the new. This is the new twist for me. Uh, I've been teaching people how to teach parents how to spiritually lead at home. I've been doing that a long time. I've been teaching student pastors how to create events for parents. Uh, The missing element, though, in all of that is the hearts of the parents. Parents are not going to show up for a student ministry-led parent event unless their hearts desire that. They are not going to quit signing up their teenagers for Sunday morning tournaments and sports until they have a heart change. <laughs> They're not going to stop pulling those teenagers out of Sunday worship to go on little family trips. Literally half the Sundays of the year, that would be Lifeway Research, half the Sundays of the year, those families are gone, even though they're supposedly active families. Mm-hmm. All these things that are frustrating the youth leaders are not going to change until the hearts of the parents change. So I would say you've got to back up and say, number one, we've got to lead parents through some experiences to make sure they know Jesus. I think we've got tons of baptized church members that are lost people, and they're going to reflect that in, in this case in their parenting. Secondary issue is if they know Jesus, we have to help them fall back in love with Jesus again, probably rediscovering a love for Christ that they had when they were younger. It it sounds a lot like youth ministry, but we've got to walk those parents back into a love relationship with Christ. And if they rediscover that, then it's going to make perfect sense to them to take advantage of all that the church is doing to equip them to spiritually lead at home and to honor and respect the, the Christian Sabbath Sunday and make that a priority for their families. None of that's going to happen, though, until their hearts change. And that's what I'm pressing for with student ministers right now. Wow. Dr. Rossum, <laughs> that is so rich. And those listening, I hope that you go back and listen to this multiple times over and just write down everything Dr. Ross has said. That 
is solid gold right there. I'm over here trying to type down everything you're saying <laughs> and not type too loudly so the recording doesn't pick it up. Dr. Ross, you're spot on. I love that. And then, you know, you know, one thing I've been talking about lately is a lot of ministry to the parents, ministry to the parents, but you're so right with the heart change. You know, at the end of the day, parents aren't going to disciple their their kiddos, their teenagers, to have a heart that chases after God if they don't have a heart that chases after God. You know, if if being in community with believers and making that a top priority is not a top priority for the parents, they're definitely not going to push their teenagers to make it a top priority. I mean, you're spot on with the heart change with the parents. I think that's where the battle's going to be won or lost. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Ross... Let me ask you this, because you brought up evangelism, and uh, man, and, th- and that's definitely my heartbeat. And I would love to hear from you. What do you think are some future trends of evangelism and uh, some ways to truly equip our students to share their faith? Maybe this sounds overly simplistic, but, but I think whether or not we have a rebirth of focus on, on a student evangelism, I think really the key is the student pastor or in a very, very small church, that person that is the key volunteer in youth ministry. I, I really think the person that is pastoring or shepherding the youth group and the youth ministry, I think that person is the key. And, and once again, I do believe that person in that key position is sharing their faith inside the church. I do think they're calling kids to make decisions inside the church. Mm-hmm. But I do think the key for the future is that person's life away from the church. Because if a student pastor is having gospel conversations himself away from the church, if he gets to see the joy of people literally giving their lives to Christ, if he is energized because out of his own life, he is having the joy and reward of leading people to Jesus. I, I think I can say in 100% of the cases, that person is going to create a student ministry that places a priority on evangelism. It's just almost automatic. And and I would just gently say to a student pastor listening today, if you would say, hey, I'm faithful doing that inside the church, but I'm just a little nervous about doing any of that outside the church. That really isn't my practice. And I don't tell anybody, but I I don't. Then I would say, you just need to say, I got to make a change. I I can't tolerate trying to kick those kids outside the church to lead their friends to Christ when I'm not modeling that myself. So I would say, walk into the senior pastor's office and close the door and just have a come to Jesus talk with him. And if, if you need to just say, Sir, I'm being faithful to lead kids to Christ inside the church. I'm not doing that hardly at all outside the church. Mm-hmm. Could I just go with you? Could we go out and knock on some doors and visit with some people? Could I be part of leading people to Christ along with you? Now, either the senior pastor is going to say, I'm thrilled, I'm honored that you would want to go with me. Of course, let's go and do that until you're comfortable. Or the senior pastor might say, okay, if you're going to be honest, I'm going to be honest. I'm not doing much of that either. Why don't we just become accountable to each other? And why don't we just say to each other, we're going to go once a week until we're both comfortable for it, comfortable with it. And I honestly believe as, as key leaders in the church become faithful in sharing a gospel conversation outside the church and seeing people meet Jesus, that is going to change the priority they are placing on that with the people that they lead. And in terms of the future, I think that variable right there is pretty well going to dictate the future. Yeah, I agree. And 
Yeah, Dr. Ross, I say that all the time. If 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 a church has more testimonies of the pastor, the student pastor, college pastor, staff, uh, baptizing people, and that testimony is, hey, here is uh, here's Richard. I met Richard at Starbucks. We created a relationship. I shared the gospel with him, and now he here he's here getting baptized. You know, when there's more testimonies of people getting baptized in the church because the staff or the leaders of the church are witnessing outside the walls themselves, that is going to be duplicated in the congregation. Um, I agree with you, because people in, in the congregation and our ministries are never going to do something they don't see us doing and hear us doing. I agree with that. Dr. Ross, if you could build a time machine and go back in time, and you could uh, meet up with the 19-year-old Richard Ross, what would you tell him? Well, I'm really sure what I would say. When I was 19, I was just becoming a youth pastor, and and this is what I would want to say. I would want to say, hey, Richard, you've got to start talking to your young people from the get-go. You've got to talk with them about a view of Christ that is probably going to be a little bit different from what they've been hearing growing up in the church. You you see, when I was 19, I was doing what all good Baptists did. I I taught young people (laughs) about Jesus's life on earth, taught that thoroughly, taught about the cross, talked about the tomb, talked about the resurrection. I did all of that, but I didn't tell the rest of the story. In fact, it took until 2008 for me to figure out that I was leaving out a part of the gospel story that is incredibly important to teenagers. So, so if, if I could go back and, and talk to that young Richard Ross, I would say, after you tell the resurrection, you've got to help young people experience the thrill of the ascension, not just the ascension, but the enthronement of Jesus at the right hand of the Father, where he was placed King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and then help young people figure out all the implications of that, that he is reigning and ruling over the universe. He's reigning and ruling over me. I approach him in prayer every morning as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I can't spend all of my time talking about my little problems because (laughs) he is a great and glorious King. You know, everybody in youth ministry talks about moral therapeutic deism, but very few people are talking about What's the antidote to moral therapeutic yeah, right. Well, it is the greatness of Jesus. It's mm. his sovereignty. It's his supremacy. And I just wish I had figured that out in my young adult years so that I could have proclaimed that to young people. I'm out speaking in Citywide Disciple Now weekends pretty regularly, mm-hmm. and always I'm invited to speak on the supremacy of Christ. That's what we build the weekend around. And I get to watch with my own eyes, and even Friday night, when those kids figure out he is the king, I haven't prayed to him that way. When they start figuring that out, it changes things. It flips their perspectives on so many subjects. I just wish I'd known that early on. Mm, so good. The grave is truly empty, and the throne of Christ is truly full of the risen king. I love that, Dr. Ross. We always close this podcast with the same all-mission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they are the now generation. Not just the future of the church, but the church right now. They have a mission now, a calling on their life now. Dr. Ross, would you give us one closing thought on this? They cannot be the church now if they're in a youth ministry silo all Mm. the time. I love it. They have got to become the church by participating with the church. They've got to be sitting in those business meetings. 
They've got to go to the men's ministry events and the women's ministry mm-hmm. events. Every time an adult mission trip, international mission trip is announced, there ought to be young people going on that trip. I would just say, get them out of the silo, let them participate with the full church, and then you're allowing them to actually be the church today, and we're not going to lose them when they go off to college. Nailed it. Nailed it. That is good. Dr. Ross, this has been so rich. Thank you so much, my friend. I deeply, deeply appreciate you. And I know those who are listening have been blessed as well, and they're going to want to continue to stay connected with you and follow you. So where can they find you online and social media? I have a website, Richard A. Ross. you got to get the A in there, richardaross.com. All the links for social media, resources, speaking information, everything is on that website. Love it. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to the Next General Mission podcast. I know you've been blessed just like I have by Dr. Ross. So thank you so much for listening again. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net, and we'll try to address those on a future podcast. Also, you heard Dr. Ross and I talk a lot about student evangelism, and there is a great brand new resource that is absolutely free to you and your leaders, uh, students, and it is a 30-day student edition devotional on who's your one. It's absolutely free, so every day tells you what to reading the Bible, gives you three or four paragraphs to help you think about what you just read, a specific prayer that day for the spiritually lost, and then an action point towards evangelism, helping students navigate their life to live on mission, to tell their one about Jesus. That's an absolutely free resource devotional. As you know, there's very few devotionals out there that are specifically on evangelism and even fewer on mobilizing students towards evangelism. And so this is absolutely free resource. You can check it out at whosyourone.com. Also, you can find it on the YouVersion Bible app. They picked it up as well. So just search Who's Your One Student Edition 30-Day Devotional, and you'll find it on there as well. Well, my friends, thank you. Have a great rest of the day, and tell somebody about Jesus.